Hi Soap Phillips, it's Sarah here and I am starting a podcast series on accountability. Why a series on accountability? It's a really important value for us. It's something many of us enjoy and have seen the fruit of in our lives. Um, And hopefully in this series there will be something for everyone. If you've never had an accountability partner, hopefully you will be inspired to get one. Um, And if you've been doing it for years, then hopefully there will be things here uh, to mix it up a bit. So things can get stale uh, and there may be uh, new things that you might do. So why this series? It's something we haven't taught on for a long time. So we've just presumed people know what it is and people are doing it. And lots of you are doing it, but we've realised that some of you are relatively new to St. Philip's and have never had any teaching on accountability. And we've also realised that there are some people who've been here a long time, but but maybe your understanding of accountability is not necessarily what we understand by accountability. Uh, and so this podcast, the very first one, is simply what do we mean by accountability? And so I'm going to be looking at the Bible and you know, what is biblical accountability? So before I talk about biblical accountability, I want to talk about the use of the word in society. It's a word that wasn't used that much, say, two, three hundred years ago, uh, but its use has increased massively in recent years. And and it's because we've become aware that those in positions of power, in positions of responsibility, have not necessarily used that power well. And so uh, we've wanted to hold those institutions or those people to account. Uh, So people in charge of government or people in charge of education systems or in our country the NHS, uh, we want to know that they are leading well, using resources well, uh, that they're not abusing their positions of power. And so there's this connection with the word accountability, uh, with responsibility and blame. We want to see when when things go wrong, who is to blame? And and this is important, isn't it? Uh, Because we have to learn from the past and the mistakes that have been made and make amends uh, where we can and improve things as we can. But there is a, a bit of a danger in this because our very nature as humans is to blame and to deflect attention away from ourselves onto others. And you know, we see it right at the beginning with Adam and Eve uh, when they're in the garden and they've eaten uh, the forbidden apple. And both of them deflect. You know, Adam deflects to Eve, Eve deflects to the serpent. They both uh, don't acknowledge responsibility, both push the blame onto somebody else. And that's not helpful when we're thinking about personal responsibility or personal accountability, we need to be thinking, yet what am I responsible for? And this is what we're thinking about today and in this series. We're thinking not about accountability on a a big 
corporate scale or or an institutional level. We're thinking about it at a personal level, personal accountability, personal responsibility. So what can the Bible tell us about accountability? This personal responsibility is really important biblically. In Romans 14 verse 12 it says, Therefore each one must answer for himself and give a personal account of his life before God. That's from the Passion Translation. God is going to talk to us about our lives and he's going to ask us to give an account, not of our neighbour's life, but of our life. And so yeah, we need to, we will be held accountable for our lives. Similarly, in Hebrews 4.13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is un- uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And that's in the NIV version. So the important starting point is us. We have to start with ourselves. What is going on for me? Can I give a good account of myself in this situation? What do I need to say sorry for? Where do I need to change? And this can be a really painful place to start, can't it? You know, it is not our natural starting place. As I said, you know, we see it right there in the beginning uh, with Adam and Eve. It is not the place we want to start with looking at ourselves. We want to deflect and, and look at others, point the finger, blame. But the place that we're asked to start is ourselves. And there are two main reasons for this. One is the one that I've already mentioned, the fact that ultimately we are held accountable for our own actions. But also, because we can only change ourselves, we have power over ourselves and our own actions. And so we have to start in that place. But it isn't just about ourselves. And and we're not left to our own devices. And we're not, you know, we don't have to struggle alone. Uh, Accountability is something that we're to do with others. The the Christian walk is not a walk that we do alone. Um, It's a walk we do with others. And that is one of the joys of the Christian walk, that we get to share it with others. And so accountability is something that we do with others. We're not just held accountable before God at the end of our time. God gives us people to journey with. So again, if we read from the Bible, Proverbs 27.17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So two people together, uh, talking things through, thrashing things through, uh, can help that sharpening process, that, yeah, just becoming more Christ-like, hopefully. Now, I can't tell you how many times uh, and it still happens now and that I go to speak to Dave about something and I think it's going to be a straightforward conversation. I think it's going to be a case of, Dave, I've been thinking and you know about this situation and what I think we should do is da-da-da-da-da. And I'm expecting Dave to say, yes, Sarah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. <laughs> but instead, Dave says, no. That's not a good idea. We shouldn't do that. And what I thought was going to be a five-minute conversation turns into this hour-long debate, maybe with raised voices and perhaps even some tears. But actually, 
The result of our conversation is often better than our initial idea. It's just a painful process to get there. You know, it's so much easier to say to someone, this is what we need to do, let's do it. Or even easier still to say, this is what I've done. Because there's no comeback from that really, is there? But I challenge you to invite someone else into your decision-making process. Obviously not every single decision you make, because that would be tiresome. But probably more decision-making processes than you are currently doing. And I've given you an example from marriage. Uh, Dave and I are quite different in the way that we approach life and view life. And so we do often see things differently and it, it and that's a good thing for us, but it's a stretch for us. Um, but it can be that you can be very similar to your spouse or very similar to a close, close friend. And you need to be aware of this. Um, it's good to have people who are similar to us. Uh, but sometimes uh, they can share uh, blind spots with us. And, and it's not that Dave and I don't have any blind spots. We do. So as well as uh, talking through with our married partner, if we're married or a close friend, it's also good to talk some things through with others so that we're not just getting our kind of yeses confirmed to us all the time, um, but we're allowing some of our decisions to be challenged. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12, these verses will be familiar. They're familiar, often read at weddings, uh, but they apply to friendship as much, if not more. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labour. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and no one to help them up and has no one to help them up. And also if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, we need others, don't we? Because sometimes we fall. The other day, I just woke up uh, feeling really vulnerable, quite tearful, and I knew I needed friendship. Uh, and two main names came to mind. One of those names was B, uh, who lives next door to me. And another name was Anna, who I've known uh, for many years. Uh, and so I messaged them both. And in the end, it was wonderful because I was able to have lunch with B and go for a walk with Anna. Uh, and I didn't need to be alone that day. And, and although I had to spend the morning on my own, I knew I was going to see them later. And so... I was able to spend the morning constructively where I, I would have perhaps um, been lost in the depths of despair, as um, Anne of Green Gables would say. Anna is someone who I've been accountable with in the past, someone who I've known uh, for a very long time, and so there's a depth of friendship there, and there's an ease uh, with being together. Uh, and B is someone who I'm not accountable with in any formal way, but we open up and share some of the areas of struggle in our lives. So it was good to connect and, and process some of the discomfort and turmoil that I was feeling. And I'm sure you have days when you feel like that. Um, and when you do feel like that, I just encourage you to reach out and to ask the Lord, who can I connect with 
Over the years, again and again, I've been in that situation where I just have known I need to see somebody today. I need to not be alone. It's not going to be good for me to be alone today. And a name has come to mind, and and that person has been available. And, you know, God knows what we need and provides for us. Another verse to read about honesty, because honesty is really key in accountability. Ephesians 4.25 Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. There is a raw honesty and accountability, a choice to speak the truth. And not just the truth of the facts, but the truth of the state of your heart. And still to this day, I can feel that discomfort of my conscience when I know I need to share something I don't want to share, but I know I need to share. The Bible also tells us that we can be easily deceived. In Hebrews three twelve to 13 it says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Isn't that an interesting phrase, sin's deceitfulness? Of course sin is deceitful. So many people are deceived, lured by sin, lured by the enticement of sin. You know, Jesus talks about the deceitfulness of wealth. Not that wealth is bad, but it promises things that it cannot offer. Jesus talks about the worries of this world, the cares of this world that can load us down. There are things that can take our eyes and attention away from Jesus. Things that lure us into a false sense of comfort or security. From time to time, we all go off track. I know I do. And so we need each other to help us come back on track. In James 5, 19-20 it says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. What does wandering from the truth mean? Well, Jesus is the truth. And so some of us may wander from his ways, his best. And I think all of us can do that from time to time without really realising it or maybe perhaps more likely without really admitting it to ourselves. We need each other to help each other on the way and we also need to have the courage sometimes to challenge each other. We do it in love, we do it with care and consideration, uh, we do it humbly but we do sometimes need to say, do you know, I think this thing that you're doing is not actually leading you towards uh, Jesus. Now, I've been talking about peer accountability, and most of this series is going to be about peer accountability. But I feel like I need, at this point, to talk about 
accountability and leadership. And so I'm going to read from Hebrews 13, 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So this is a really tricky one to talk about. How does accountability work in relation to your leaders? And this could be Dave and I, uh, it could be John and Anna Mansa, uh, it could be your community leaders or your, um, at the moment our communities dispersed, but it could be your previous community leaders or one of the team leaders. It's really tricky because leaders in the past have abused their position of authority. Jesus talks about the abuse of leadership. He says in Matthew 18 verse 6, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung round their neck and be drowned into the depths of the sea. As leaders, we have to be very careful about what we say and how we relate to our members. As I've pondered, Upon this, a simple phrase has come to me, uh, and that phrase is, don't just inform, involve. So if you're thinking of making a decision that, that relates to your involvement in church life, don't just tell Dave and I about the decision or tell other leaders about the decision. Invite a, a leader into the decision. And we may need to say no, uh, not because we're mean and, and we just want to like saying no. I think you know us well enough to know that that is in our heart. Uh, sometimes there may be a practical reason for saying no. Sometimes there may be a reason of governance. There may be a denominational reason. There may be a safeguarding reason. There may just be some wisdom that we need to share with you. It might be a kind of wait and just weigh this thing that we want to share with you. You know that our heart is to release, our heart is to say yes, but sometimes we might have to say no or we might have to say wait. And so it's just really important that you check in. And I think it's really important at the moment. We're really dispersed in this season. And so uh, do check in. Don't just make personal decisions. Involve. Don't just inform. And yes, there's the kind of governance reason and safeguarding reasons and practical reasons. But also, it's just really good to connect. You know, connecting is good. It's a positive thing to do. And the enemy doesn't want us to connect. He wants us to be disconnected. But God wants his family to be connected. And so it's just really good to connect. And so if you're thinking about something to do with church, pick up the phone, you know, or, or text and say, can we chat? Uh, it's just really, really good to connect maybe with us or maybe somebody else who's, who's in a, a, a position of leadership in the church or somebody who's just older and wiser, has more years of experience. Or it may be that we can connect with you, you with somebody who's got a, a similar heart, similar thought. And why? You know, we want to encourage you. We want to release you. We, 
yeah, we want to pray for you. We may need to put some guidelines in place, some boundaries in place, so that it's safe for you, so it's safe for others. Um, yeah, pick up that phone, get in touch. What about decisions that don't have anything to do with church life, or or less to do uh, with church life, and, and really ultimately are personal decisions, decisions like applying for a new job, moving house, and starting a business. You know, uh, uh, are these things that you need to process with your leaders? Hopefully they're things that you would want to process with friends in peer accountability. But do you process them with your leaders? Now, I don't know that there's necessarily a right or wrong answer to that question. All I can say is that Dave and I have, over the years, uh, we have involved leaders, people who've had leadership over us in decisions like that. Uh, We have involved friends who are older and therefore have more wisdom from their years uh, of experience. We have involved people who are perhaps a bit detached from the situation or people who have particular expertise in something just to help discern what God is saying and doing. And I have some special memories of times with, particularly with those kind of in leadership over Dave and I, when when things haven't worked out as we wanted them to, or when it, the op- new opportunities have opened up, and there's just it's been special moment of fellowship and and journeying together, and a sense of being loved and celebrated or loved and comforted. You know, when you have good leaders. They want to journey with you. They want to mourn with you when you mourn. And they want to celebrate with you when you celebrate. Uh, And so involve them in your decisions. You know, involve them in the stuff of life. Not so that they lord it over you. Goodness me, no. That's not their heart. And, And if that ever happened that's wrong but we want to journey with each other and uh, we want to do life together and uh, we want to yeah just be open to to encouragement uh, and sometimes to challenge too here's from hebrews 10 24 25 and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We really need each other. We need each other in the little and big decisions of life. I need other people. I know sometimes I need friends in the silliest decisions. Sometimes I just get really, really flustered about silly things. And I really need others in the big decisions of life. Not that I'm asking somebody else to make a decision for me, but in talking to others, it helps me make a good decision. I've been reading uh, Proverbs this last week or so. I've been reading in the Passion Translation, which I've been enjoying. And then a couple of days ago, I was reading in Proverbs 10. And uh, I'll just read you a couple of verses, verse 8 and verse 17. The heart of the wise will easily accept instruction but those 
who do all the talking are too busy to listen and learn. And then later, if you readily receive correction, you are walking on the path of life. But if you reject rebuke, you're guaranteed to go astray. Opening up yourself to correction of others is humbling, but it's important. I don't like receiving critique. I don't always like receiving feedback, but I know it's important. And so I, I open myself up to that. I open myself up to the input of others. And unfortunately, I have people who I, who I know love me and accept me as my, as I am and value me and believe in me. And so I can, receive their honest input and I know that they will share honestly and lovingly with me because we want to keep growing and we don't want to shut ourselves up from the words of others. And then in Proverbs 11, 1 to 2, to set high standards for someone else and then not live up to them themselves is something that God truly hates. But it pleases him when we apply the right standards of measurement. When you act with presumption, convinced that you're right, don't be surprised if you fall flat on your face. But walking humbly in humility helps you make wise decisions. As leaders, there are extra high standards of expectation. You know, and so Dave and I have multiple places where we are accountable. But actually, despite all of these places, uh, much of the time, it's us that has to take the initiative in accountability. It's us that has to make the decision to be accountable, to volunteer and say, this is what's going on and this is what's going on. It's us that has to kind of initiate a meeting. Not always at all, um, but more than 50%. It's uh, us taking the initiative. And that's what it is to live accountably. It is taking the personal responsibility. I'm going to finish with a, a definition from Tierfan's website, and this is how it goes. Biblical accountability begins with taking responsibility for one's own actions and making a conscious choice to, of allowing God and others to help in accomplishing what is right. Now, I thought I might change that slightly at the end because one of our values at St. Philip's is authenticity and living with authenticity and having authentic relationships. And so I'm going to use the word authenticity. So biblical accountability begins with taking responsibility for one's own actions and making a conscious choice of allowing God and others to help you live with authenticity. Bless you guys, and I hope you are encouraged to live uh, uh, with authenticity, using the practice of accountability to help you develop uh, that beautiful characteristic of authenticity. <laughs>